Y'all know what time it is. Y'all are now listening and rocking with the blueprint. What's good, y'all? Y'all rocking with the blueprint, and it's Hefe. I'm here with. You're in here with Mackenzie Eastup, your 71st Miss St. Augustine's University. What's good, Queen? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, man. So look, tell us right quick where you from, how old you are. You know what I'm saying? Who? Just just start off with those questions first. Absolutely. So, start off with how old I am. I am 22. My birthday is August 24th, 824. You know, Big Kobe. Uh, long live the, 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 the noble. Um, and where am I from? I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, way up north in the cold. Uh, but I actually, at the age of five, moved down to North Carolina, um, Rocky Mount, Whitaker's area to be specific. So, I went from the city to the country. And what was the last question? How old I am, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. That was it. All right, so look, for the people who don't know, this is our Miss SAU, you know what I'm saying? 71. (laughs) And today, was it today or yesterday? It was was yesterday, but it aired today, for sure. Go ahead, tell them about your experience and what we're talking about because they're missing out, they don't know. Yeah, so yesterday, uh, well... So, so on Sunday, mind you, all right, let me do a little back backdrop. So Nick Cannon himself, we all know Nick Cannon from Wildin' Out, right? So Nick Cannon has just started his new talk show on daytime TV. He basically um, is doing something different in the world of, you know, comedy. He's bringing real life neighborhoods of the upstate New York life to the to the table talk and is bringing so many people's stories and life experiences um on tv and he's giving them these opportunities and he's blessing them at the same time well um he invited myself and about six other hbcu students who have similar stories like-minded individuals who just want to be great and and be successful but face financial hardships uh to the table to talk about um our success stories and our, our our hardships so we flew us out Sunday. They actually paid for car service. They paid for the hotel. We stayed in Manhattan um, on that. I think it was like East 92nd Street. Uh, and they paid for my flight there and flight back. I actually, it was my first time taking a flight for real. It was my first time flying. <laughs> it was it was a little rough, okay? I ain't gonna cap. So I had my advisor with me. I'm so glad he came because I was kind of like shaky. Not like, first of all. The car service took me up from the school. Yo, so we all know. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, let's, like, let's, let's drop names now. We all know who it was. Who? Who's your advisor? Oh, dropping names. The one and only best eagle on the Falcon land is Jalen Baker. Falcon. Okay? Falcon. Falcon. Okay, well, we're going to, you know. He, he, you know what I'm saying? He's an eagle, <laughs> he, but he's a Falcon We both soar. We both <laughs> soar. Definitely. But, um, no, Jalen Baker came with me, my advisor. He helped me along the way, you know, because he's big on traveling. He always does that. I think, you know, that's one of his biggest things is always adventuring out. So I knew that I had someone prominent with me. So we uh, kind of explored on Sunday when we got there. We had a good time, met up with his line brother. We went ate at this place called Virgil's, which was like a country restaurant. You been there before? So we had like some really good, authentic, like New York country soul food, you know, and that's why I was saying like the, the country food is a little different up north. Like I had cornbread with actual corn in it. Like you don't do that down here. It's like different, but it was good. You know what I'm saying? I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and then that following night, we went to bed, woke back up. We checked out the hotel about 12 o'clock, pulled up to the studio. We went to a bodega first before we left. You know, he got the bacon, egg and cheese. I don't like it. Bacon, egg and Bacon, bacon, egg, I heard you got to say it all at once. Bacon, egg, and cheese. Like, bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, and I got the BLT, which was like really, really good. 
um, and I got a muffin too, like a really good chocolate muffin. I love chocolate. So yeah, for sure. After that, we went to the studio. The studio actually is the old 106 in Park studio. They actually today I, I noticed on his um, on his Instagram they replaced the 106 in Park um, sign with Nick Street, like Nick Cannon Street or something like that. So that's a big thing for him. Um, moving up in the chain, man. Right. So yeah, for sure. So we had. Got to the studio. They COVID tested us. We was negative, thank God, because, you know, uh, we had homecoming this past weekend. So that was good, getting that out the way. And then we just sat in the room, and we had some snacks. They came in. They talked to me about the question I might get asked, which was completely different than what he asked me. But it's cool, though, because <laughs> it prepared me, you know, for this. You know, God, you never know how God prepares you for things. Um, you were a little celebrity for the day. Man, yeah, it felt really nice, you know. I was worried about my outfit. I thought my pants was too baggy, but... <laughs> you know we always self-evaluate and we be hard on it I was like nah I don't like my pants and he was cuffing them up and we was like maybe it'd be alright we get on TV <laughs> you sit down so um, I got to meet Miss Clark Atlanta University um, Jada she's really sweet uh, she actually has her own business the first Latina and black um, uh, young lady to run to be Miss Clark Atlanta so shouts out to her um, sister queen and I got to meet Shay Shay's wonderful she actually is also from North Carolina area Greensboro, I think, to be exact, and she is uh, part of Winston-Salem State University's community, so Ram, you know what I'm saying? We're going to see her soon. Hopefully we play them. I told her we was going to link up when we get there and enjoy the game together. Um, then we got on stage, man. We talked about we talked about, you know, how student debt definitely hinders HBCU students, you know, and I have accumulated almost up to 34000 and there was other students. Mind you, it was six of us, so there was, like, other students with, like, 50000 and 40000 and I'm looking at my debt like, gosh, like, I don't even got that much compared to, like, what they, and then God knows whoever else in this world is facing the same hardships, um, but it was just such a blessing to be given this opportunity because when when I was reached out by the casting producer, she asked me like, how much do you owe in order to graduate? And I'm like, they ain't gonna go in here and they probably gonna bless us with like, you know, paying off the last semester of our tuition. So I'm running across, you know, our campus to go to financial aid, human resources and uh, accounting to make sure I got all of my paperwork together. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what are you doing this for? So I told them, they was like, oh, okay. So we're gonna try to do what we can do. And once I seen the numbers, I was just like, man, like, this is big. Like, I had no idea that it was Reality like... Reality check. Yeah, like, I didn't know I was running up this type of... Like, you never know how much student loan debt you really have until you really look at it. Like, you just think you hear, like, okay, financial Worry aid, I applied in October. Okay, now it's August, time to go to school, I'm going to get my paper signed. And then you just in, in class paying, like, close to how much, you know, you do for school... And by the time you graduate, until Sally Mae come knocking on your door six months after you graduate, you looking at that bill like, wait a minute, where was she at all these years? Because it's deferring depending on, you know, how you handle it. But, man, I looked at them numbers and I was like, yo, I had no idea. But when he said that they partnered with Thurgood Marshall Fund and UNCF, United Negro College Fund, and they were able to find a way to grant us scholarships to pay off our student debt. Now we're going to cap, okay? This all went down, right? So we sitting on the couch. And I'm right next to Nick. I got Shay. We got our dude. Look, got to meet a guy from family. His name was Dewey. Dewey's on the Marching 100, um, which is the marching band uh, at FAMU. Shouts out to them because they actually fire for real. And then it was Jada and then the three students on the call as well in the back right behind us. So it was all of us together. Um, he announced that he was going to give us this opportunity to pay off our student loans in my mind. I'm thinking that they just paid off my tuition for next year in order to graduate. That's what my mind was set on before I left. That's what I thought this was. It wasn't until after 
we got into the room to do a second round interview with the people who actually put the money in the in the scholarship fund and set up the itinerary to get us there that Jada was like, yeah, I just can't wait. My credit score is going to rise up once some student loans are gone. I'm like, what is she talking about? Huh? And I'm like, um. what are you talking? And I'm just sitting there, tears in my eyes. I'm finally crying now. And they're like, Ken, how you just realized this? I'm like, I I wasn't listening, obviously. I, I don't know what was wrong. Like, I was not paying attention because it literally clicked right before we left the studio. I was like, yo, my student loans are really paid for. Um, Blessed. Yeah, like that's because my, my career was to graduate, go into law school this fall. Um, I want to go somewhere in North Carolina. I want to stay in this area. I love Raleigh. I fell in love with Raleigh since I've been here, you know, and that does I don't even know if I'm going to stay in Raleigh or if I'm just going to stay in North Carolina, but I want to go to Central or Campbell or UNC or Duke, but definitely Central top of the line because why? It's an HBCU. And second-wise is Campbell because they're in the heart of Raleigh, and then more prominently, you know, they would say Duke and UNC, uh, but... Man, um, I want to go to law school. I wanted to commission to the United States Air Force, be a judge advocate general, like a lawyer for the Air Force. It's a it's a promising career and they will help me pay back my student loans. So I'm like, yo, if I got to stand there for 15 years, 20 years, it's in my heart to serve ultimately, like to serve my community ultimately. And I was like, what better way than to do what my passion is and to be in the military? Um, and that would help me build up representation and reputation for going to Congress, because by the time I got out within that 15 to 20 year rank, I'd probably be around 40, 45 years old. And I would have a good age limit to say um, I'm pretty wise now to be able to lead my my state or my district and run for Congress or run for city council or any type of Senate position. And um, by that time, when you run for Congress, you're raising up a million dollars, you know, and you probably touch it more than that. So. Anything I ever wanted to do wasn't even about the money. It was just about the pathway to make it and to be successful. Um, I really wasn't even focused on how much money I would make because I knew that if I just followed my heart and it was going to lead me to where I really wanted to, where I wanted to be, as happy as I would be would lead me to that success. That success would grant me that number on that check, and that check would just grant me to a better life. If it didn't come that way I wanted, as long as I'm happy, I'm cool, and that I'm you know successful in the light that I want to be, which is advocating, serving, or giving back to my community. I'm cool with it, you know? So once they took off those student loans, I got in the car and I'm reevaluating my career plans. Like, do I still need to go into the military? Do I still need to stay in that long? Do I, you know, I still want to be in Congress. I still want to serve in the military. And uh, it wasn't until today I got that call once my dean, Dean Ann Brown, shouts out to her. She's been like a big auntie since I was a freshman. When she was like, Ken, it's not that God is readjusting your path. He just cleared your path better than what it was. He just cleared all those objects out your way so that you don't have to worry about those student loans or Sally may knock on your door six months from now. You can clearly focus on what you want to do. If God changes that direction, go for it. But at the same time, stay on that same path. God is obviously telling you that you're doing the right thing, and he just wants you to, to, to fulfill that. So, I mean, but Nick Cannon, that whole opportunity, man, shouts out to Nick Cannon for his new show. This was his second day on his premiere week. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. Um, I posted the uh, actual itinerary, not itinerary, uh, excuse me. I posted the actual, I forgot what it's called, but it's got all the time listings for every area in North Carolina. And you can always find the link in his bio to take you to all the local listings at the time so you can watch the show. Because not only was I up there, we got FAMU, we got Texas Southern, we got uh, Clark Atlanta, Winston-Salem State. Um, did I say A&T? A&T was up there. Shout out to my boy. You know, he got his own radio and talk station. He's been doing it big. And... Um, 
Yeah, so for, y'all definitely should. He definitely was up there. Uh, I seen his flyer first. I was like, was you at the studio? I didn't see you. And he was like, nah, I was on the live right behind you. And I'm like, that was you? So, yeah, it was small world. But it was definitely wonderful. And um, so that's that's what that was. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely fun, yo. I ain't gonna lie, I love New York. I wouldn't say that it's changed me. Um, I would say that it's enhanced me because, honestly they they would have never called me to do anything that I'm not already doing now if I didn't have that same passion I did before Miss SAU for my school. You know, like, I probably still wouldn't do, like, even if I was Miss SAU, I didn't have that real passion. If I was just doing it just because there was a crown on my head or just because there was a sash over my body, they'd probably be like, oh, well, we got Miss SAU, but we're just going to go pick out another student that is, you know, more substantial to these opportunities and is willing to give back and actually uplift their university. Um, the, the doors that it's open are the ones that I think are, let me see if I can answer that question the correct way. Like I was saying, I don't think that being Miss SAU has opened any doors. I think that God is just doing what he's like, what he wants to do for me or what he's allowing for me to do based off the will and the risk that I'm willing to take to see how far I will go with this. You know what I'm saying? So it depends on how much work I'm willing to put in. And I've been putting in work since I was a freshman. If I'm able to just kind of like talk about a little bit of the things that I've been doing, like when I came in that summer before being a freshman I went to SOAR right I went to the first SOAR right Bert you went to SOAR right so you got to experience what SOAR is like right so leading the groups around so I was in one of those groups I went home and came back for the second SOAR not to enjoy it but to be a leader I didn't have any any type of experience whatsoever I just wanted to come back and help the other students give them tours on the campus share that moment with them and then came here, already had a plan to be freshman class president, ran for it, gave them my true authentic self, drew up my posters and my flyers, handed out bubble gum and water bottles and whatever I could do to get my name out and get to know more people. Building that bond on campus definitely led me to Miss SAU. And I think that the work that I put in for the past three years is what's opened up these doors now because it gave me the confidence. It gave me the resilience and the perseverance to be able to to take on these risks and opportunities because I wouldn't say that it's changed me. I say that it's enhanced me because it's definitely helped me become a better person. And to be a queen is a wonderful thing. You know, like it's helping me find my true womanhood. You know, like I, I've always been like a laid back Tom girl. I never really was like the cute prissy, you know, kind of. And I don't think that that's what any of our queens are. But you're supposed to fit a certain standard of saying that you're poised and pleasant. And that's what it's helped me to develop in my womanhood is to be able to code switch from giving you the true authentic me and also give that coincide with I can I can be a lady. I can put on a dress skirt and heels and go into an internship and meet and and, and talk to different people that want to give money to my my university or come to see my university. I can give them a tour and be actually very respectable um respectful and 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 just really uh prominent with within speaking and it definitely helped with my speaking abilities and i think that's what led me to a lot of things being able to do stuff like this this is the first time i've done this but i'm comfortable i feel very comfortable talking to y'all because i built that bond with y'all offside and then being on that talk show is another opportunity that helped me come in here to do this just to do more things and talk about how great my my university is more times than none so, so. tell us tell us what Name five things you love about SAU. 
What things I love about SA about five SAU? Five things. Five things I love about St. Augustine's University. One. One thing I love is the family. Family family vibe okay let's talk about it falcon family is one of a kind when you come here everybody at their universities always said that they had this family bond but when you come to saint aug your advisor the the first academic advisor that you have even if they have 400 students to cater to they know your name okay you go into your, your classroom you're sitting in a seat next to somebody with your professor and you can have a full-on conversation even if it's like the beginning or the middle or the end of class like they will talk to you about what's going on in the school life they understand they don't hold you up to a certain limit of saying like okay you have to do this this and this and this based off the syllabus they will understand if you have an actual life outside of college they actually care that's the difference people say they put students first we don't have that many um, universities around this world don't have as many superstar professors as we do we have a few that, you know, we all have that one professor that we know that we can talk to. We can go chill in the office with. We can find outside the cafe on fried chicken Wednesdays and talk to about what, you know, whatever, you know. Um, another thing I love is our love for God. I love how we as a faith based school institution put that first, you know, every every week, every every Thursday of the month, I mean, every other Thursday of the month, we'll do something, whether it be like a convocation um, where we kind of highlight God and, and the things that he's done for our university. Um, I love that experience for one, because I feel like that's the hope and faith that we all need to keep us moving. Uh, the third thing I love about this university, I love the colors, you know what I'm saying? Blue and white. I, I'm like, a Persian like rifle. White. I, I'm a Persian rifle now. So it gave me another reason to love blue and white. So like, I love it for real, for real. I really do love blue and white. I, I always was a fan of all the colors of the rainbow. I never had a specific, but now that I came here, like blue and white has been like top notch. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Man, look, look. one, one of the things I like about SAU, a lot of things ain't been done here. You feel me? So you right. can become the first to do a lot. So it's easy to stand out. You feel me? Like Absolutely. I'm glad you said I that. When I first came, the radio station wasn't running. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, listen, we're going to start that up. And now everybody know me for that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Same. Like, I think, uh, who runs the modeling team? Uh, Niger. They... Um, a lot, of, a lot of schools already have that. You feel me? Yeah. SAU we, didn't have that. No, we, we had something like that. I'd say when I came 2017 as a student, just kind of like coming to view the school on spring break, they had a modeling outbreak where the students kind of like went and did their own thing, but it kind of fell off. And she brought it back. You know what I'm saying? I think like a year or two later. So, which is a good thing. And we got more interest than we probably ever did. Like it's more popular. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's we, got, we got the space and... I want to say like capacity or or opportunity to to create a culture. Yeah, like it's it's it wasn't that much of a culture until let's say uh, Jalen created Cal, and then we brought all yeah, of this like all of this homecoming was is about to be unforgettable. It's probably like I I got word from the alumni. This is probably one of the latest homecomings that they've been to that they've seen. And this is coming from people that, that are like, they graduated in the like 90s, 2000s, 2010s. We created something big here. And I like how you said that. I want to piggyback off that. I want to talk about how you said that our, okay, highlighting the Nick Cannon opportunity, right? Clark Atlanta, I said FAMU, Texas Southern, Clark Atlanta, A&T, and Winston-Salem State University. I'm missing one. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you later. Out of those six, right, Clark Atlanta is private, so are we, but we were the smallest school 
to be on that show. And those are big platforms. This to is be a on. big opportunity, but we're a small school, right? That's one of the things I realized when I was in high school, coming in with a low GPA, okay, making it in here by one point, not getting accepted by any other institution that I applied for, was something that humbled me that when I came here it made me want to go hard like I ran for freshman class president I wanted to be Miss Black and Gold I wanted to be Miss SAU I wanted to do all these great things for my university because they opened that door and let me in so I was like look I was like look all I need this is what I was trying to like convince the counselors before I knew they were still going to accept me I didn't know that I was like, all I need is for somebody to open a door just crack it just a little bit just put the key in there and just turn it I'll do the rest I, I got it. Like, I, I got this. I just needed someone to believe in me and to give me that opportunity. So as soon as they did that, to whom much is given, much is required. That was the first thing I heard when we had Dr. Ward. Dr. Ward is someone that we had as a president before you guys got here my freshman year. He was a great president. But at the same time, that was one of the things that he always said was to whom much is given, much is required. Another great thing that came from UNCF, United Negro College Fund, anytime you get a scholarship, what do you have to do? Keep Represent, your GPA boy. up. You got to keep your GPA up. You got to talk about, you know, all the accolades that you have. So you got to keep striving. Even though someone's giving you something, it doesn't mean you sit back and take it and you just chill. No, you got to apply that pressure because you don't know where the next opportunity can come in and lead you to something greater or something bigger or another door can open up. This time it might swing open. It might not even get cracked for you because you put in that work when the door was cracked the first time. So that's the opportunity I took. And when I came here, I knew that when I came from high school, everybody else went to A&T, Winston-Salem, Fayetteville State, Elizabeth City. Shouts out to all the HBCUs, his love. But at the same time, I had a lot of love for my university because one, I didn't know much about it, but I knew that it was a university. I didn't want to go to a community college. Anybody that goes that path, respect to you. But I didn't want to because I didn't want to stay in my city. I wanted to get out. I wanted to go to a whole other city, even if it was just an hour away. I wanted to get out. I wanted to go somewhere different, and that's what I did. So when I got here, I realized that this school at the time didn't have what we have now. We didn't have a whole new MLK student union getting built. We didn't have... Um, Delaney looking like it does now that front desk sitting there like that like we didn't have the student success center we didn't have um the fountain were up and running like that just some of the smallest things we didn't have like these flags up um very much so new and rejuvenated with new students on it like we just didn't have these type of things and I was willing to be that student leader just to try to see what I could do to fit into the mold of actually bringing this university up and I realized that a school that may not seem like it has a lot of potential a student with potential can push this school out there can make it better can actually push it to its fullest potential and more than that and make it more than what it actually seems so uh, running from Miss SAU, my biggest entire goal was to actually get my school out there, talk about the student engagement, bring that up, help out with student retention, keep the students here. That's what CAB's doing. Y'all doing an amazing job keeping these events up and running. Like, everybody's posting about their homecoming experience. Everybody. We had the first homecoming, and listen, we we set the standard high for this homecoming. Very much high. Like, so high that I'm happy that my senior year got to go out with a bang, like like with that homecoming. I'm so grateful. Your senior year ain't done. We still got something planned you know for spring. Saying? Okay, spring break. I mean, spring fling too. Yeah, that's coming up. Mm, you I don't even want to know. Hold you are, back. No, I, we ain't, we ain't, <laughs> we ain't, we ain't, we ain't letting nobody know, but I'm saying you saw how last spring fling went. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It can only get better. We got more, more potential coming. Being Miss SAU now. Okay. So well, hold on, I... Hold on, hold on. Let me rephrase that question. Yeah, okay. So, 
what did you think it was going to be like and what are the realities of it so basically give us this uh i want to say the expectations you had okay so the expectations i had of being miss sau was keeping your hair done <laughs> Um, making sure that you're the great face ambassador that you can be by keeping your makeup done, keeping your face done, having to be um, very, very poised, you know, like, I mean, always on your P's and Q's about dressing professional so that you don't know who comes on the campus and wants to take a picture with the Miss SAU or that you get called into a meeting or an interview. Like, you never know what it could be. I thought that it was going to be like... And it's exceeding my expectations. I thought that it was gonna be like really more so difficult. Like I was sucking myself out. I didn't think that I had it in me to do that type of stuff. You know, like to be very much so keeping my hair done. I didn't think that I could do my makeup. I just learned how to do makeup for real. Like I learned how to do my own hair. Like it's so many things that I'd I- I'd be seeing you when we be in Taylor's office, but you do good every time. You know, I didn't, but before that, I promise you, I did not know how to do my makeup. I never spent the day just to learn. I never took the time. But what it is now, it's just, it's just mingling with y'all. Like mm -hmm. being able to be relatable, being able to be held accountable, to be authentic, to be true, to be regal, to be real. Shouts out to uh, WSSU's Queen 2020-2021. Regal and real is the biggest thing you'd ever want to be as your miss because you want to be relatable. You want to be someone that's going to be authentic and true to yourself because you don't want another girl that wants to line up to be the next Miss SAU thinking that she had to be somebody that she's not. And for the people who may not know me, you find I'm finding myself every day so it's just like the things that I may have not thought were going to be what it is now are just like me taking different risks every day. And I'm just learning as I go. I might not even have this down packed. The things that I expected, I might not even be made for right now or good at. But I'm still learning. Like the makeup, I'm getting better at. Taking pictures and waving, I'm getting better at. Being able to lead somebody, that was something I wasn't prepared for. Being Because I never, even though I was an SGA, I never had to lead somebody. I led a class of people to being a better class, making sure that our grades was up, checking in on people, hosting events that were gonna help people, like keeping people up and rejuvenated like throughout the semester. But an entire student body, being able to mingle and mix with everybody. It's really a whole campus. Whole campus, including staff and faculty. Like that's the big part too, you know, being able to just be included in these mm -hmm. type of things. Um, I just wasn't prepared for some of these things. I didn't expect it, but I'm glad that it's happening because it's preparing me for the real world. What do you say your biggest challenges are of your upbringing? And My tell us... Upbringing is in, like, what? Okay. Childhood, middle school, high school, and now college. Biggest upbringings, hardships, all right. Uh, coming from a small family, not having any support. Um, I love my family that I did have, I do have. Um, it's just small, and they didn't understand what I was trying to do. You know, like, they didn't understand... Um, to be more included in the actual information, like my mom, for instance, she didn't graduate from high school. I'm a first-gen high school graduate, and I'm also a first-generation uh, college student. Um, I don't know my father, and so my mom and I moved. When we moved to North Carolina when I was five, and I was started going to school or whatnot. I did have like a dad that I called dad, of course, but wasn't biological. Loving to death. Um, 
but that ended when I was in high school. So kind of growing up with that type of lifestyle uh, was a pretty cool life. It felt normal because I didn't understand what it was until I got to high school. My mom and that, my, my dad at the time split. Now my biological father, which I don't know, but my dad, the person who played dad, who, you know, kind of like really helped out in life growing up through the adolescence. By the time I got to high school, freshman year, they split. It was just me and my mom at that point. So the you household, no huh? You don't have no siblings? No, I don't have any siblings. I don't have any cousins. My grandmother and my grandfather passed away before I was born from cancer. Um, my aunt Definitely currently so has stage three kidney cancer. So she's like in Cincinnati um, handling that at the same time. She doesn't have any kids. So it's just me and my mom. And so family is like the biggest thing to me. That's why I chose my university. Like we have a great family bond and I wanted to stay close to my mom, um, 50 minutes away from her. And I have a village of people here that pour into me every day. They believe in me. So that, a village to raise a child. Absolutely. So basically, um, once I uh, got to high school, excuse me, my mom actually started dating again. And the dating experiences that I came home to after 2.30 wasn't good. It was toxic. Unfortunately, it was abusive. And I actually witnessed seeing my mom get beat on, bro, like, for money, things like paying bills. She worked hard every day. Like she worked almost like two jobs for like seven years or more management positions. She didn't have a GD, so she didn't get paid good, you know? But she always provided for me. She always made sure to put those type of things lined up for me to do what I had to do, but she didn't know how to support me in school. If I said, hey mom, I'm the new manager of the basketball team. Can you pick me up at 5.30 or nine o'clock? I don't got that kind of gas money. I can't do that. I'm, you know, like, I love my mom, and I'm not putting her out there. I love her to death, but this is the things that I went through from high school. You know, like, I don't got that kind of gas money to keep picking you up every day. You know, I wanted to run track just to stay after school until 4.30, and I did field events just to stay longer. And I did this thing just to stay away from home because it was so toxic. Like, I remember when I had to, I had to leave the house because I didn't agree with the things she was going through, and she didn't understand the, the way I felt, we didn't get to have that kind of like personal connection because she was so disconnected from me because she was so focused on trying to find a love or a love life, you know, and be happy because she didn't get that opportunity because of the things that she went through as a young woman and the things she went through as having to raise a child at the age of 21 and up. So I get it, you know, like as I'm older now and as I'm becoming a woman and taking on these opportunities, I'm able to see that childhood trauma that I went through, the childhood trauma that she went through. I'm understanding it now. I'm lining it up. I'm taking accountability. I'm learning and I'm healing. And that's what's making me a better queen, to be able to see through the people who may not agree with the things that I'm doing, who may not see or agree with the things that I wear or say. I'm able to see through those type of insecurities, understand my own, and still love people inside and out because I think that that's the biggest thing first and foremost. Um, but being able to also separate yourself from those type of people. And that's what I had to do. Once I realized that my mom didn't understand the route that I wanted to take going to college, she actually wasn't here to drop me off my first day. Uh, I had a person that was an advisor who dropped me off on my first day, and she was a big part of my life. I had a boyfriend when I was a sophomore going into being a senior. Um, I had, actually, I had a boyfriend my, my sophomore year that I met. He was a senior in high school going to college. So we kind of split from – we started dating in January, and then we split in August when he left for school. Uh, I didn't really understand college at the time meeting him my sophomore year. My GPA was low still. I didn't have all my credits. I didn't understand what college was. I didn't know what an HBCU was, but he went to Central. Mm -hmm. And um, 
his mother is at the advisor that I'm claiming that made a big impact in my life because she realized what I was going through. She let me, she poured into me. She let me um, confide in her about what was going on in my life. And she was able to help me and open up and line up doors and opportunities for me. Like um, a scholarship pageant. That was the first pageant I ever did. Excuse me. Junior, senior year, I did a Delta debutante pageant where we wore that. I actually, that was the same dress I wore for my coronation. And that's that's tough. That's the same dress. That's tough. Because I didn't get to find or I didn't find a dress that I actually could wear that was within a good range um, that I could just wear. You know, like it just I just decided to put that same dress on. I mean, either way, it looked. It looked, it looked, looked amazing. So, it was really thank good. You. Was really and nice. I just I wanted Especially I'm a, I'm a rhinestone. Right. I, I just love. Want, I just want to say y'all 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 did y'all thing. Y'all thank look you. hella pretty. You know what I'm saying? You look. Bert looked very handsome. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Bang. We took that little video. Look, and all them pictures that that I saw, you know what I'm saying? That they was posting, all of them you came and out he, fire, side by like, side. That's the that's the it one was, right there. It was it was that no was flaw in all of them, bro. Yeah, man. Look, I'm so grateful that we even had great photographers there to, to capture those honorable moments, man. Because, you know, they say your coronation as a queen is the biggest thing for you. And you um, won't remember that. Forever. Yeah, and then being able to wear that same <laughs> dress that I wore, like, but that's the thing, like, to be very transparent. About my mom not really understanding my life and stories, uh, the reasons I did what I did, my my boyfriend at the time lined me up for that opportunity to do the debutante pageant, right? Mm-hmm. You needed um, your mom and your father to walk you and introduce you for your introduction part. I didn't have a dad, so his my boyfriend's dad at the time walked me out alongside my mom. But before I asked her to do it, she didn't want to do it because she had recently gotten to an abusive altercation at home off of an argument and her hand got broke. My phone just died. They're probably all upset because it was getting juicy. <laughs> my, my mom's hand got broke and she actually had to um, put a cast on and she didn't want to walk out in front of all those people with a cast on her hand because she was insecure about it. You know, She didn't want nobody to ask her what happened. And I totally understand why you know, she felt that way. Um, but you know, it went kind of tough. It was kind of tough when, um, I just say, okay. So yeah, so my mom basically, uh, she didn't want to walk out there, but she ended up doing it the last minute she ended up coming. Mm -hmm. And so she walked me out and it was a good moment, but she didn't want to at first because of the abusive altercation. She didn't drop me off at school the first day here. She never came to campus until my sophomore year, second semester, when I won for Miss Black and Gold. She actually came out. She never seen my room before until she came out this year to help me actually, like, buy stuff. And the reason she couldn't do these things is because being she didn't have a GED, being she didn't graduate from high school, she didn't have a car. She worked worked her butt off every day. Like, she just just worked, man, and it took up so much of her time. And she was so tired. She's so tired. She's worn out right now, like, just working so hard. Um, I just want to be successful so that I can give her everything and more that she deserves, mm-hmm. you know. That's what I really want to do. I want to just be able to call her one day and be like, Mom, I got you, you know. Like, you don't have to. And she's she's not dating anymore like that, no more abusive. I've been able to, since I've been in college, to understand and reflect off what that was, like the childhood trauma, the insecurities, the things mm-hmm. she just went through. The reason she dated abusive men is because her father was abusive to her mother. It repeats itself. Mm-hmm. At the time, I almost caught myself here on campus dating someone who potentially could have been um, toxic like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to remind myself 
I'm the black sheep. I'm the pioneer. I'm going to change that. I'm not going to live the same way my mom did. If I'm going to go that route, I'm going to change it and actually understand, hold accountable, and take uh, everything into consideration what I'm doing. Um, so definitely, yo, it's just like, uh, thank you. It's definitely just uh, just changing a lot of things that I've seen growing up and being able to be a black sheep. So what that did for me was help me realize and learn a lot. And that's why I felt like being the queen that I am today, being able to run from this SAU, the things and the hardships that I've been through, going through that toxic community was the biggest hardship that I faced. Another hardship in college, every last year. <laughs> I'm be honest, Man. for real. Now I'm, I'm a, Tell I'm a lie. Bro, this, people it, don't understand the struggle difficult. of a college student. A struggle, you know, like this is honestly what what is college, yo? What is college? What do you think college is? It's an opportunity to do better, bro. Okay, what do you think college is? I would say that too. It's an opportunity to do better, and it's like we get more opportunities, like through the semesters, through the years. Yeah. Man, it ain't nothing, but it's like you in college, bro. You build networks you can't get on the street. You you get opportunities, you get doors open for you, or you you know what I'm saying you learn how how to navigate through life in college. Like you 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 sit on the street your whole life, you sit after high school, like you're not about to sit here and and, and like I in my first two semesters, bro, I learned more about being being a boss, more about being a leader than right. I ever did in my life. And that's just off off the strength of Jalen and Trails. Right. I learned how to run a station. I learned how to how to multitask, how to, you know what I'm saying, how to organize I met so much, so many people as well. And, you know what I'm saying, just being in the same environment as you, I've been inspired as well. Because, like, you can do this, and you've been through such and such, or you've been doing this and this and that. And at the same time, it's like, yo, I don't I don't see it like, oh, yeah, my life ain't that bad. But it's like, yo, she could do this. Why can't I? Yeah, for sure. Like, that's the things I'm saying. Like, running for Miss SAU, like, I wanted to be that opportunistic visual that it doesn't matter where you come from. What your GPA is, okay, so some, some parts, it does matter what your GPA is. Like, you got to apply yourself and get your classes done, go to class, get your work done, and really apply yourself in your academics. But, like, coming from high school, you know, being here at SAU is like a, it's a really good opportunity to, to know whatever the GPA was, you can do so much more. Like, it depends. What's your path? SAU will lead you in any direction. Any direction. Um, but definitely... College is a land grant opportunity. It is an opportunity to live somewhere for free, loans, financial aid for free, to be able to make connections, like you said, off the street, but on the street as well, in the community, to gain experience as a citizen and to really learn how to direct yourself through a career goal that's not a blue collar I want to say which is like going to a, a second year like a two year college which would probably be like a blue collar going to a white collar job which is like a business type deal or something similar political or something in that STEM field or something like that so it's supposed to navigate you to that route so it's a land grant opportunity where you stay for free land grant you stay on this land you're granted opportunities to really rebuild and reconstruct and construct your life that you want in four years. 
So one thing I told myself, coming to this land-grant opportunity, not going to a community college, being able to have to stay in Rocky Mount and stay with my mom or get an apartment, probably end up with an abusive boyfriend like my mom did and, and, and just get stuck with like limitless opportunities. I'm here. I'm able to reevaluate and change who I want to be, start over, forget, not forget, but, you know, try to like push that back and start my new story. Create and a new image. Create an image. Because when I was in high school, my GPA was so low. My credits were so bad that they didn't give me the same opportunities that I, I got here because they didn't think that I had potential. Your GPA truly defines you in high school. And my biggest thing I wanted to advocate coming here was as a first-generational college student, someone who was the first to graduate from high school in their family, I want to go back to those high school students and say, your GPA should not define you. Don't let it define you. Know that that GPA does not have to stick with you. You don't have to go into the work field. If you want to and you want to be a business owner, do that. Like, you can do that without going to college. You can write your own check without going to college. But if you want to make connections and opportunities and really find yourself and really um, get out of your city and change your life, go to college. That's what it, if you're if you if you don't think you're built for it, try it out. Just try it. Come here. Try to find scholarships. Build a good pathway to get here for the first year. Try it out. Literally, give it a shot. And once you do that, you never ever know what you could really find or what you could dabble in. Because I came here with the purpose to run track and to do Army ROTC to mm -hmm. pay for my four years. I settled to not pay through scholarship, but to pay through loans. I was going to settle for loans because I didn't want to do track. I didn't want to do the military. Nah, I don't want to do track. I came here, and so DeMarcus recorded a video of me, which is still on my Instagram to this day. In 2018, that summer, I came during SOAR, and he recorded me to ask me what was my experience at SOAR. And ever since he recorded me, it only took two takes for me to actually talk for a whole one minute just to give him a good clip and really talk about what SOAR is like. Come on, freshman, come join me. Let's have a great time. It's on this, this date, this and this time, this, these time frames. Let's do it. SAU, go Falcons. And I love the video. Like, I love seeing myself. I post that video. I got so much love. Like, so many people back in my high school were like, you're destined for so many great things. You know, and I was just like, yeah, maybe, you know, you, you never, I don't know. You see I mean, how people can tell. It's like you radiate this this aura, and then people feed off of it. People pick up on it. Like first guy, like I said, when I first got here, I picked up on that as well as a freshman. And it was like I didn't I didn't need to know you to understand not your story, right? But your motivation, your passion. Like I could just see it. You feel me? Like you know, when you see somebody constantly in a working environment. You gonna automatically assume yo he a hard worker right because twenty four seven he working, and I saw you it was like you was every time I saw you you wasn't you wasn't doing no no BS you was real out grinding, yeah even For when sure. you was campaigning, you was still grinding on the side, and I saw that I ain't never speak to you but I saw it and I was like yo I need to surround myself around that. Yeah, you never know who watching for real. Cause listen, mm -hmm. we ain't ever talk, we ain't never get close. Facts. You came here I think like mid semester. Did you come mid semester? Yeah, last spring. And we like we never even had a conversation. I just would talk to you and record. You took my pictures at the spring fling at the of my shoes when you would take pictures of people's shoes. Took pictures behind well, you see, neck. Same you thing know? you was doing. <laughs> you was grinding. I was grinding too. You feel me? That's like, right. If you if y'all got the same uh motivation, same like minded mindset, individuals, yeah. Y'all gonna cross minds. paths again over and over. That's a fact. And listen, these connections right here is going. It's gonna build the future right here. Like you do, let's say, let's say you go on and you 
I don't want to predict your future, but let's say you go on to become like a TV star. Let's say a, a single, whatever, whatever you put your mind to. You come back, it's and for real, for real, I feel like once, like you said, what uh, what, what would you, what did you say? It was like something is given. You always got. Oh, to whom much is given, much is required. Right, the person that brought me here, cause my mom ain't bring me here either. I got brought by alumni. You know, I was I was fortunate. Enough. I remember that alumni. I remember seeing her face. Yeah. So her whole thing was, you the way you give back is by paying it forward. Mm-hmm. Pay it Leave forward to the, the next legacy. person. Work your butt off. One thing I heard off of uh, Eric Thomas talk that he did. Dude said he was in high school. He wanted to just be a football star. That's all he wanted to do. He said that one day he got an opportunity to go visit a high school for a football opportunity. And he got a chance to ride a plane. He got on the plane. He went to the bathroom. And he used the restroom. On his way out, he was washing his hands. And there was a sign on the door that said, a common courtesy to the next person that comes in here to use the bathroom, please wipe out the sink and leave it better than you found it. Common courtesy for the next people that had come back behind me, I'm going to leave it better than I found it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Leave the place that you are in now. Mr. Freshman, leave it better than you found the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You said that you want to be a better miss, a better Mr. Freshman than what you may have seen from other people, mm-hmm. you know, or or from myself. Like, I have to – I'm standing on the, 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 the shoulders of great queens like Markel Wilson, Jamila, uh, Heave Nara, like uh, Asia Bethea. Like, these queens are the queens that I got to see put in work. Heave put in work. Markel, put in work. No matter how many people said they didn't like what they were doing or they didn't accept the the ways, the methods that they, they raised as being a queen or who they talked to, how they talked, how they wore their hair, how they dressed, how they stood, how they took pictures, how they smiled. They critiqued them for any and everything. But you know what? They were they were regal. They were real. They were good queens. They made sure that they put their best foot forward. They built a great bond with their freshmen, their seniors, their sophomores, their juniors, their staff and their faculty and their alumni because that's what it was supposed to be like. It's not just a title that you run off with and you add to your resume. You're supposed to – it's in you. It's not on you. It's in you. It's not on you. Somebody told me that literally before I went to the Nick Cannon thing because I was hesitating about the fact of I'm going on TV. What do I wear? Remember mm. I said my pants was too baggy? Yeah. I was second-guessing myself. It's not what you have on. It's what is inside of you. So going into this queen stuff – I was, like, running for my campaign. I thought I had to have the best outfits. I thought I had to have a wig on my head and be the best-looking girl or get my makeup done every day and wear a nice uh, crown pin on my shoulder just to make sure that I look good and fit that image. But you know what? That doesn't add any value to your campaign. Mm -hmm. It may make you look good. Your posters, you can get them printed out. You can get a big poster. You can get whatever you want. But if you're not true to yourself, if you're not authentic, if you don't lead by example or you don't fight through the hardships you've been through and learn from those experiences and add that to who you are today, people are going to see straight through that. They're going to tell. And then sooner or later, your true self is going to show, you know, through those clothes, through that Michael Kors, through that Gucci, through that wig, through that makeup. You know what I'm saying? So it's good to be your true self always, and that's something that I learned. I would always psych myself out thinking that I'm not good enough because I don't got that on me. I don't got those type of uh, that type of money, but um, no, that's but I just realized, right you know there. what I'm saying? It, it's gonna come. I work for four years, you're gonna have fun for the rest of your life, or if you have fun for four years, you're gonna be working for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So whatever you wanna do, but however it goes, when you graduate, if what you do you love and have a passion for, that money should not matter. As long as you're touching lives and leaving a legacy, that's what matters. All right, so 
now that we got to, you know what I'm saying, now we got to meet Miss SAU, let's talk about Miss Mackenzie East, though. So, tell us, you got any hidden talents, man? I know you said you was rapping in high school, man. Oh, man. Um, so, I do a lot of, like, uh, I used to rap. I definitely used to rap. So, you got um, passion for music? I don't have a passion for music. I take, like, those talents. Like, I can draw. I'm really good at drawing. I'm very creative. What, what's your What's your favorite medium? My favorite. Medium. So, like. Pencils, markers, oils. Pencil. Pencil. I love sketching. I'm a sketcher. And then Facts. I also, uh, I used to like cut and create things. Like mm. I remember one day when I was a kid, I was the only child, mind you. And I used to always go outside and play with myself. But if I ever was in the crib, I'd get creative. So like, I remember I made a freaking purse out of paper. Like I literally cut like this part, the side, the bottom, and I cut out another strip and I taped it and I had like a little paper pocketbook. And now you put a little extra pocket on the side. Facts. You know what I'm saying? I was bored, bro. Man, look, I, I, found I went out. through the same thing, bro. Cause you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, only I have one older brother. He was always working, and my so other brothers, they you know what I'm saying, they left. So I was always doing. I was always drawing. Always doing origami. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Origami. Come yeah. on now, little fortune yeah. cookie. Yeah. Nah, not even. The, I did swans, giraffes, do dolphins. Boy, I used to do everything. I used to paint on my clothes. See, That's I gotta get you some jeans. I still, jeans do. I still be painting on clothes. I, I did that shoes. in high school. I paint on uh, clothes and sell them. You fire. That's how I was making money. I was, uh, I was, uh, what's it called? Designer vans. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, designing clothes. I was doing tattoo. Boy, in high school, man, I used to be get the bag. So man. you still like would dabble into that stuff? So because in I college, mean, that's when you find your true brand. You brand yourself when you come in, and whatever it is, you stick to it. Like girls here braid hair, they do makeup, they do eyebrows, they do lashes. You know, you got guys out here got his own beauty supply store. Yeah, nah, it's hard, though, because I'm in, like, you know what I'm saying? Me in college, when I'm here in college, it's like I, I dedicate myself fully to the station. Absolutely. So when I go back to the city, all right, it's back to, you know what I'm saying, tattoos, this and this and that. Tattoos? I know I I ain't, I ain't bringing, you know what I'm saying? I'm not about to bring myself. But you can draw, yeah. so it makes sense. Okay, So cool. it's like the station is, is what I'm fully, like, right now, it's taking me so long to edit this this uh questions video because it takes like it takes a lot of time you feel me? so I don't, I don't really got time to, to do homework and then this it's worth it though what it is it's taking time and you got the passion for it so you're putting in that time you're investing into it it's going to give back so much to you you never know who's going to come in this door and interview with you like you was finna interview with boosie and them and then uncle seven just interviewed with k camp like those type things are big yeah. Man, maybe uh, maybe next semester I got y'all. Don't even worry about it. Coming soon, coming soon. I'm <laughs> weak. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, oh, oh hidden yeah, yeah. talents, man. Hidden so talents. my hidden talent was rapping. Uh, I did rap. I had a group called. Well, we I didn't have a group. I was part of a group. Very granted the opportunity to be a part of uh, Black Infinite. The number was twenty nine. Um, that's what it signified. Don't you even do it? Because <laughs> you already know. About I, like, to, Don't start I used to rap on like I used to rap on like boom bap beats. I used to be like this 90s chick back in high school like i used to thrift for my clothes i used to do that when i came to my freshman like they used to be like why is she dressed like a boy but Aaliyah, when she was in 90s she dressed like a boy she had the baggy tomboy or the she the started that style yeah i was just doing it but now it's just different you know girls mm. dress differently now so it's just like you don't fit that image they just like cutting you out the scene so, oh no bro being that you wrapped in like music who'd you take biggest inspiration from joey badass I love Joey Badass. Mm -hmm. I loved rappers in J. Cole, like the ones that storyline rapped. I was like a big storyline rapper. All right, what you think about King Von then? King Von, he definitely same drill storyline rapper. They're called lyricists. Like they literally talked about their life stories and their lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like, and they were true stories. And I, I definitely messed with it. So you like um, Joey? 
Joey, yeah, I do like Joey. And then, like, so what I did when I ran for Miss Black and Gold was uh, my my talent. I didn't want to rap. And you did a, I remember that, that I little a, poem. I remember you I did read a it to spoken us word. when we were yeah. practicing for the Yeah, pageant. and I practiced it for y'all because mm-hmm. I turned the raps into poetry. So I got into poetry, spoken word poetry, to be exact. I dabbled into that, and I've been able to learn how to speak, broaden my voice, and reach top-tier modems where I can actually speak out and be very, like, confident. And that's what, just like, those type of things just kind of, like, domino effect into where I'm at today. But, like, so artwork, that, um, I'm, you know, athletic. I can swim. That's my thing. You're going to have to race. I'm a swimmer. I'm a big-time swimmer. No, I'm telling you. I could could die. I'm a lifeguard, and I I was on swim team. Stop playing. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with yeah, it. And with the breaststroke, though, stop that. Okay, the breaststroke, you can keep that. Oh, all right, about to say, about to say. Because when it came to me, I was, I was you know just chilling, like, freestyle, stop playing. I'm dead. Nah, but yeah. All right, that's, that's what's up. A lot of people don't, didn't know that. I mean, I seen it the other day. You posted on your story that you was uh, swimming. Yeah. I was able to get I was like, oh, word? Out. She can swim? Girl. That's, that's a lot of people. A lot of people don't like swimming. Yeah. Because they don't like getting their hair wet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I had just, I was like today years old, basically, when I was like reading an article one day. It was like, you know, some caps aren't made to make your hair yeah. like dry. They're not made to keep it dry. They're made to actually like just, you know, of course, get you underwater and keep you gliding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, black folk, as we grew up, we put that swim cap on thinking that that was going to keep us cool right. under the water. No, no. it never worked. <laughs> I mean, it, look, it worked for me. You tripping? You, I mean, your hair probably was able to fit, but with like a like a girl with like curly hair, she had to like get it braided, put it on, and it would still leave the bulges. So even if you got your your goggles on and they go back here, you got to set any bubbles. You know, your your goggles moving, so you push them on. You got your cap it's moving up. Yeah. It's not gonna work. And then of course, when you dive, you get that that turn, that flip. Facts. Alright, yeah. so what's your top? I want to say what. Five rappers or five artists that you listen to now? Uh, top five artists that I listen to right now. Gideon. Boom. All right. Boom, bow. Moneybag, yo. Lil Dirk. Dirky, yo. Brent Fires. And I'm starting to get back into Wale. Mm. You got that me up. <laughs> Wale Fire. From the city. From the Wale city. Fire. Stop playing. He, nah, he is a lyricist. He's and, a lyricist for sure. And I be I be listening to his poems, bro, because that's where I get my like I be rapping too, bro. I get I get my inspiration from Wale. Yeah. What about you, BT man? My top five artists right now. Yeah. Gotta give it to Brent. You had me there. I remember I feel like we talked about Brent before. We did. Right? We did. Yeah. We talked about Brent. Drake, of course. Oh yeah, Drake. Drizzy. I didn't say Drake. <laughs> J. Cole. Cole. Yeah, I'm about to say Cole. Cole. Oh, wow. I didn't even say. They probably like, oh, she canceled. She ain't even got Drake K. J. Cole on her list. <laughs> Cancel culture coming for me. I still like SZA. Even though she don't be dropping like that, I still mess with SZA the long way. Still don't control like Instagram it just came story out. That's rare. I, don't, I ain't never, you know what I'm saying? I ain't never come across a man talking about some, yeah, SZA. Yeah, yeah. And she she do got she some. Fire. She got some fire. She got some fire. I remember when she first started making music, like mm-hmm. 2020. They had control on repeat on the radio, man. It's been years. Yeah, dang, I'm thinking like, dang, I was a I freshman in high up. school. I used to get her mixed up with her. Uh, I could see why. Yeah, I could see I why. Man, not I was by never looks, into, but by I music. I was never into female mm-hmm. artists for real, man. I just follow them. You know what I'm saying? That's my job, bro. <laughs> so, I used to get into a lot of, like right now, like female rappers. Like before Megan came out, uh, mm-hmm. when Nicki was out. Like I used to like not really be into it. 
Mm-hmm. But like now, the drill rappers that I've been looking at, like I don't know, drill music is like I used to when I used to rap. The group that we had was a full amount of ten members. Every person had their own style. Somebody would sound like J Cole. Somebody would sound like uh, Herbo. Somebody would sound like Lil Wayne. Like it was just like they weren't going after that person. They just had their own type of media feel, and they were just different in their own way. You know what I'm saying? And I had an opportunity when I was a freshman. We had a talent show, and I hosted the talent show as freshman class president, and I also performed in it. And I also had like some people from my Black Infinite group come out and they performed oh, wow. with me type deal. It was mad cool. I was going to do oh, that so again. So you were part of a little group, okay? Yeah, for sure. That's tough. A lot of people look, didn't know that. I'm telling you. And my Instagram, like the name I had, used to be like Kenzo. That was my like Ken Z, Kenzo from the O, cause <laughs> Ohio, and then uh, she's so '90s, cause I was so '90s back then. So did you ever face racism? Tell Did us about I ever that. face racism? I, well, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody has. Okay, my racism probably would be a little different. Like, it's, actually, no. it's not even different. All race, all racism. Is no, of course it's not different. But I mean, like, I felt it in a different way in different places in my life. Uh, Elaborate. Younger age, growing up as a black, half black, half black, half white, white mom, black dad, not knowing the black dad, just growing around all white people, white people in Ohio, white people in North Carolina. I was the darkest in my family. I felt, I felt like an outcast. I felt unincluded. Uh, I felt like, um, and it was pretty. It was pretty obvious. Anytime I had intuition, it was pre- like pre- pretty much true. You know, I just it was my gut feeling telling me what it was. I just wasn't trying to like hear it. Um, so when I got here, I really just wanted to be family. Like I wanted to find that that type of community that I could actually fit in with because. Like I said, I used to be too dark for the white, too white for the dark. And I remember when I was in high school, every time I had a, like a test or something, I had to fill out the ethnicity part. I always put other. Or if I was able to click two, I'd put black and white and then other. Yeah, like and a lot of a lot of those jumps, because I'm Hispanic, you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't, it would be like black or white. And it's like, I can't even answer that because like, right. I'm dealing like what? But then, you know what I'm saying? As you grow, you understand where your culture from. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I understand that my my uh my dad's side of the family was darker, so it was like I could put black, but then again, it was my mom's side. It was like light skin, so it was like could put white. Mm-hmm. I don't know, bro. It'd it be it'd be hard. Cause like you, you just get a reality check when you see that. You like, dang, Not where am I? Though. Like for real. But see, like I I don't know. Like I felt a lot of racism. I don't know if it's like I guess you said all racism is the same, but like I've definitely uh just felt. Like a standout. I don't know. I don't even want to be called a standout. I had an internship my sophomore year, um, and the advisor that I worked under was black, and we worked for a black senator. The legislative assistant was black. She actually graduated from the school, and she was, like, working in politics to the point where she got whitewashed. She was a dark skin, you know. She was very beautiful, beautiful nature, beautiful personality, but she had, like, this whitewashed personality to her where she felt like she had to, like, you know fake yeah like a little white voice yeah like because yeah. she was making that money too at the same time so i guess that came in like she had an image of hold she and keeping it i was an intern from an hbcu and then there was an intern who was light-skinned lighter than me who came from, from nc state she loved the nc state intern she talked to her all the time they went and got lunch together they left me in a room she gave her the bigger project so she gave me the favoritism yes she made me do the phone calls to the constituents handling the small stuff working on like 
um, newsletters, but she had the other girl working on house preservations, going to the meetings, lobbying and getting to talk to different politicians while I sat in the office all day. Because she had lighter skin. I don't know if that was what it was, but maybe she just couldn't connect with me. Like, I felt like I just couldn't connect with some people. If I feel like the vibe's off because you treat me differently or you just don't want to connect with me based off, like, your own view. If I feel like you're weird already, you dark skin and you black and you, you're black, your culture is black. You came from an HBCU, but you're acting like you got to be different because of your, the money you make or the environment you're in. Like, I'm not, I'm not, going, I'm not for that because right. I never, when I was younger, I never changed myself to fit in. Like, I never was walking around trying to be like this prissy girl because I'm rock like I'm, I grew up around white folks like mm-hmm. I never wanted to do that like I just was gonna still be myself and they didn't accept me oh well because that's what happened when I was in Ohio at a young age like my mom and them she moved out here because she realized the family didn't accept her for the fact she liked black men you know they called her a nigga level like they didn't like it and we just moved out here we got away from it they ain't reached out until I got older and started really accomplishing things and I just never changed myself. I just stayed who I was. And if who I was was a little half black, half white girl who just had a little little pizzazz to her personality, then I was just going to be that and figure out myself along the way. But when I got here, I didn't realize until this year that I get treated uh, as if like. So some people like say that there's some things that you know, like colorism comes to play. That's not racism, but colorism comes mm-hmm. to play. Like it's. Like, I don't know. They they think that, you know, people hold up that light skins are treated differently than black, like dark skinned girls. And I can see where that comes from because from like past history, you have like the color bags, the paper bag situation yeah. and a lot of other situations that led up to that stereotypical reasoning. But I never not once in my life ever felt like I was better than anybody because I'm light skinned. Because the same struggles that a black woman with a black child would face is the same struggles I face with my mom. Like, literally. Not having no food, on the streets, hustling, working for, like, seven, six, eight dollars an hour. Um, bare minimum, like, literally paying your bills late. Like, going through the same struggles that anybody could face. You know, having a jail cell prepared for me at the age of 12 just because I came from a single-parent, low-income household. Like, I face the same things. and Those I'm stats people don't see when they... Yeah, are. like, they think that just because of the color of your skin, you're supposed to just be treated differently. Like, if somebody ever treated me differently, I would never adhere to favor that. You know what I'm saying? I want real. I want authentic. You know what I'm saying? I don't even go for that. I really just want what's naturally real because I feel like that's all I ever wanted is, like, that real felt type vibe of a family figure or a family member or just that brother sister vibe like that's all i wanted right. um i don't feed off people oh you're so pretty or you know like you look so good like i i know my flaws i see it in me every day i'm trying to be a better person every day and it don't got nothing to do with my skin tone it's about my mental capacity my authenticity like trying to be real as a person finding my true self you know, and none of that got to do with nothing about my skin color at all. And anybody who ever says that, you know, people win things or do things or earn things or are granted opportunities than other people are because of their skin tone, is image, it's, it's actually really ignorant to say because the same work somebody else puts in is the same work that person put in. And it shouldn't matter about skin tone because it's probably not even the reason. It's about what you really have to offer up here and in here. That's what it always is. Because when you go for that job interview, 
if I got it in here and in here to really apply myself before they even see my face and they only hear me on the phone, I'm going to give them a real professional person. I don't got to sound white. I'm going to be myself, sound just like this. I sound, I don't know what I sound like. It doesn't even matter. I don't even know how a voice sounds. But to be able to apply for a job and people think that, that I'm white just because I'm applying myself and they see me and I'm black, they have no reason to turn me down. They still have to grant me that opportunity, even if I'm black, because I'm still working for the same thing that anybody else is. And it shouldn't be changed or deferred just because of my skin tone. Um, and lastly, I actually have been through a situation on this campus where I've had to deal with people or certain people tell me, I don't like you because you're light skin, literally like to my face. Or it's you. not you, it's light skins. I just don't like light skins. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just be like, word, like, that's how you feel? Mm -hmm. Like, for real? Like, I would never say that about you. Mm -hmm. I would never say, I don't like dark <clears throat> skins. I would never say that. Like, I would never. You know what that? You know what would happen to me? Cancel culture would be coming in. They'll snatch my crown. They'll snatch my title. They'll probably tell me to leave the school. Call you a they'll colorist. Probably, still, yeah, they'll probably call me names. I'd be, sh like, shunned. Yeah. But if somebody else felt that way, that was a darker color than me, um, that's just how they feel. And it's just supposed to be understood because of the situations that happened in the past. But people of all colors that are black, no matter the color of like the, how fair or how dark you are, love the skin you're in. That's what my queen before me raised uh, awareness on. And I always understood that loving the skin you're in, no matter if you have more melanin than the next person, love that skin you're in because the people who are trying to hold you um, hold you accountable for all the the people who are still and killing and, 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 and doing the things that they're not supposed to, we still own up to that because we said that that's not us. We are better than that. Like, we are, as a people, as a people, we are better than that. And we do this for our ancestors. We do this for all the people who came behind us and laid out the pathway, who built the underground tunnels under this school to go to college and actually get an education. You know what I'm saying? Like, it shouldn't even have to be held to the fact that I'm light-skinned. It should be held to the fact of how much do I have in here to pour into each and every one of you, no matter your skin color. We got white people at our school now. I would never compare one to the other. I would never favor one to the other. It should be equal because we're in 2021. So it's just like, why is this an issue for you? What insecurities do you have about yourself that you need to fix that has you holding up this type of grudge or, or reason towards me? And um, I just see straight through it. I think it's very ignorant anytime somebody may say that because coming to a black community or a black, uh, historically black college university, I have the same love for black people that I do for my white folks at home. And I felt more, I felt more outcasted at home than I felt here. And then once people started saying things like that to me, made me feel like, damn, am I even home? Like, am I even really in a place that I, I want to feel comfortable in because people are talking to me like this for real, like, or, or treating me or feeling this way? The problem is they ain't get to know me. Those same people who said those things never sat down and had a conversation with me, never got to get to know who I am or what I used to go through. They just had their own reasons. Oh, she light-skinned. She, she too prissy. She, got, she thinks she did all that. She thinks she got this. You know what I'm saying? She thinks she's granted these opportunities. It's different than yeah. what they feel. I feel like it's not about skin tone or race. I feel like it's not about class because I feel, I feel like a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, they share a lot of white folk <coughs> share some, some, some problems as, as black folk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how, how uh, there are stereotypes about how 
the lower class white folks they live in trailer parks. I feel like they 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 face the same type of uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying disrespect and not neglect but what's the word I'm looking for like prejudices as black mm-hmm. people. So it's like they look at they look at them like yo they junkies. Nah, they just trying to get back. Same way as people in the projects. Nah, they not junkies. They trying to get back. You feel me? They they were put there by you know what I'm saying? But they they weren't put there by by no government. But it's like the people before them, their ancestors or, or their their parents, they didn't have a good life. You feel me? So right. it's like it wasn't given to them. It's all about the family that you were born into. Right. Like I feel like we shouldn't we shouldn't it shouldn't like that the racism is so stupid, bro. Because like it ain't no too white to be to be black or too black to be white. Like I mm-hmm. get that all the time, bro. I'm not accepting no no Hispanic community because I'm supposedly too too black. You feel me? I, I act too black. That's or right. if I'm in a black community, I'm too Hispanic. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all about where you was raised as well. Cause a lot of people don't know you was where you was raised. Like they be like, oh, you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't. You know what I'm saying? You can't say you from here. Woo woo woo, bro. I was born around here. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I was born into this community. Hey, I like this little conversation we had, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's concluding. Nah, we ain't conclude. Man, look. I was about to <laughs> say. Let's, 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 you, let's, said, you said boring interviews last for 20 minutes. We were going for a smooth hour, almost 15, maybe 20. Man, look. I'm willing to stay, too. You know, it's just whatever. Facts. I don't want to bore nobody, you know, talk too much. <laughs> nah, but look, that's going to conclude the interview. I got one more question for yeah, Mackenzie. What's, what's a piece, in it, piece of advice you can give the potential queens that want to represent St. Nog or any institution. Man, all women as well. Okay. You got, all right, two, two questions. You know what I'm saying? Potential upcoming Miss SAUs. All right. And to all the little girls, all the women, a word of empowerment. You know what I'm saying? Because women, especially black women, are statistically the most oppressed okay. of, out of everybody. To so my baby queens that want to run for Miss SAU, believe in your voice. Never let somebody tell you no. Never let somebody tell you what you can and cannot do. Um, fight for it, even if people are standing up against you. Um, no matter how many enemies or people don't agree with who you are as a person, stand in that and believe in it. And love that for yourself more than anything. And watch how far that takes you. Watch how God blesses you for knowing your heart to being real. So stay real, stay authentic, stay loving, stay kind, stay nurturing. To my women across the world, love yourself. And I don't mean just by waking up in the morning and saying I love me or dressing up sexy to love your body. I mean heal yourself. Like let go of the toxicity of the people, friends, and the hanging on boyfriends. Love yourself, heal yourself. Heal those relationships that you had with your mom and your pops. Actually grow out of those communities and those cliques of people that don't want to see you succeed. Be able to see through those people who are only around you just because they think you're going to be successful or are only around you to copy your, your effort because they want to be where you are. Inspire those people by moving at a distance and love those people from afar. Also, to anybody, Keep your enemies close, but keep your uh, your friends closer. I think keep your friends close, but your en- enemies closer. Mm-hmm. But also remember that a friend of a friend of a friend is just as much as the enemy as the first person. You know what I'm saying? So always remember that it may be hard to trust, but if you're able to forgive people, even if they wrong you, you're able to accept that. 
you're able to move forward and let life teach them. Never try to get revenge on anybody. Continue to move forward and fill, fulfill your passions and your pers- uh, pursuing your dreams and careers because if you're so focused on trying to make somebody else's life hell or trying to be so focused on getting revenge because something didn't go your way or something didn't work out in your favor um, and you're just trying to like mess it up for somebody else, things ain't going to go the way you want it to. God's going to teach you. Life is going to teach you. And I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I'm just going to be that play and peace to help you learn that lesson. And at the end of the day, if you do learn it and you want to come by and talk and, and say, look, Ken, I, I appreciate the fact that you didn't, you know, uh, hold me account. Like you didn't hold a grudge against me, even though I was so like this, like this at, at the age of 30, 40, when we get older, I'm going to be like, no, nah, for real, because I've been in that situation. We all have been the bad guy. You know, and I've learned that being the bad guy doesn't do anything but hold you back from doing things that you love. And all I've ever wanted to do was just be myself. And I always wanted to have good friends, but letting go of the ones who ain't real for you leads you to the ones who are. So that's the last little bit of advice I could leave. A lot of it, for real. But I'm honored. Thank you for letting me be on the Falcons Fly Blueprint Radio Station. Thank, thank you for, for blessing being us with our presence. With your presence. It was Hefe, BC, and McKenzie. Be sure to check back soon for another episode of the Blueprint from Falcons Fly Radio.